Welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and I'm a former doctor turned lifestyle entrepreneur. Each week, I interview some of the best minds on the planet on the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. Come take this journey with me. Excuses are over. It's time to live. So we had made over $2 million in our life and we had a large negative net worth number. And I looked at her, I was ashamed, I was embarrassed, I was angry. And I said, we're going to do something different. And it was nerve wracking. I mean, we were, again, we're doing something we've never done before. Wasn't sure, you know, how this would work out, but we're going to take a leap of faith. And we believe that if we could cut up our credit cards, control that spending, we believe that that was one of the habits that we had to install in order to get to our goal. I don't want to have achievement for the sake of achievement. And what I mean by that is that's just trying to accomplish a goal for your ego. I don't want to achieve just for the sake of achieving things. Okay, before we jump into this interview, I want to invite you to be considered for my 2019 Traveling Mastermind. So go to workhardplayhardmastermind.com and fill out the application and we'll jump on a call to see if you're a great fit. This year we'll be in Boston doing lots of cool things like training with Tom Brady's trainer, Alex Guerrero. In the middle of the year, we'll be heading to Monaco doing things like vintage car rides through the French Riviera. And then we're going to wrap the year in Florence, Italy, doing things like truffle hunting and hot air ballooning over Florence. Look, Life is all about fulfillment, and I really try and walk the walk. So if you are looking to be part of our tribe of 28 high-achieving entrepreneurs that are in the six- and seven-figure range, fill out your application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com to be considered. So think of the mastermind as having two parts. The first is the trip itself. And the second part is what goes on over the four days within the mastermind. Our group of 28 entrepreneurs will help you brainstorm and accelerate what you want to achieve in 2019. And we'll do that through a variety of different exercises, brainstorming activities, breakout sessions, goal setting sessions, you know the drill. So go to workhardplayhardmastermind.com, fill out an application, and we'll jump on a call to see if you're a fit. All right, let's jump into today's episode. What's up, everybody? Today's interview is with Kyle DePise, who is one of my virtual mastermind members. And you're going to love this interview. And here's why. He was $380 freaking thousand dollars in debt. And we talked about how he got out of it in like, I think it was like three years or something. Um, we also talked about the corporate world that he was in and how he wanted to get out of that and become a stay-at-home dad because that was important to him. And now we're talking about the project that we're working on with him inside of my virtual mastermind. So I know a lot, know a lot of people have projects they're working on. They're trying to get out of careers. They're trying to get into other things. And I just thought bringing this to you would offer some insight. So let me know what you think of the interview. Leave me a comment and tag Kyle DePise as well. Kyle, welcome to the show. Hey, Rob. How you doing, brother? I am doing really good. And I am really, really freaking excited to do this interview. And here's why. To live a life that inspires you to be free. One of the things that doesn't allow that freedom is things that you've 
handled in your life, like nagging debt, among mm. many other things. And you have figured out how to get out of $380,000 in debt in 38 months, which sounds like a crazy hat trick. We'll have to figure that out. And we're going to get into all of that. So thank you for making the time to be on the show with me today. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Rob. I'm, I'm excited to get into that story. Okay, cool. So we'll start at the beginning. You and I both share dads who were, you know, blue collar guys um, that probably didn't teach us much about financial literacy, let's say. Mm-hmm. What did your dad teach you about work ethic? And what did he not teach you that you said, hey, look, I'm going to make sure that I didn't get this lesson, but I'm going to make sure my kids get it? Yeah. Good questions. And so my dad was, uh, and still is, he's 70 years old and he's a carpenter home builder. And so that's, uh, that's all I've known. Uh, my dad's dad. So my grandpa was the same. And so I've experienced kind of the, the blue collar work ethic, the blue collar mentality up early, um, out working, working with his hands, working in the elements. I grew up in Southeast Wisconsin. So we get the harsh winters, but he'd be outside and he would be working and he would, he worked as all I can remember and he was gone early and he was home late. So he really taught me a strong work ethic. But what I didn't really see a lot from my dad or my parents was really how to handle money and how to, how to save money, how to plan for money into the future. And uh, as maybe we'll get into Rob, but I can just kind of share uh, when I was young, probably about two or three or maybe four years old, a toddler, my parents were foreclosed on in the home that my dad actually built. And you can imagine how devastating that would be for someone to go through, for my parents to go through, especially my dad as he built it. And so I I watched them go through that. It was really young, but growing up, I I watched them never really recover from that. And, And we would always have, you know, those sayings, you know, money doesn't, you know, money doesn't grow on trees or, you know, we, we can't do that or we can't do this because of, because of this. And so those are money mindset issues that I've, I've had it implanted in me at a really young age and I've had to work really hard to get out of. Give me an example of what kind of work that you did, because a lot of that is subconscious programming. And it's, you know, unless you sort of like, you know, turn the light on and have the cockroaches come out, you don't really even know it's there. Like, how did you, what work did you have to do to uncover first what those money mindset, we'll call them mantras were that are in your head? And two is what did you have to do to kind of, you know, get them out? Yeah, well, I think a, a big part of that first step would really just be to look at where are you being and who is influencing you with information. And so a lot of that for me was just picking the environment and choosing who I was allowing to influence me with, you know, podcasts and books. And uh, we'll probably get into it, but I got into some Dave Ramsey for a, a while on his podcast. I read some Robert uh, Kiyosaki. Kiyosaki. Yeah, yeah, I read some of his stuff too, which is different than Dave Ramsey, but I did that intentionally because I wanted to, to just bring in different information and bring in different knowledge. And so I think the first step really just is to, to take a true, honest look at who's influencing me and, and how is that shaping my thoughts around it. And then I really started to draw awareness around where do my automatic responses to certain things go? Is my automatic response, we can't afford it? 
or is my automatic response, how can we create money so that we can do it? And I really mm-hmm. learned in that moment that, okay, my default really is uh, can't afford it, can't do it. It's not for us. Uh, we'll never mm-hmm. get that. Mm-hmm. And I, when I noticed that that was my default response, I knew that I had some really serious work into actually changing that. And I had a coach, a one-on-one coach for a while. My wife had a one-on-one coach for a while. We spent a lot of money in that personal growth, personal development space. And so that was kind of the next step really was just to work on switching our response, which as you know, when something was programmed from such a long time ago, it takes quite some time to get through that. So we're going to get into uh, the debt reduction yeah. uh, because I think it's important because I think a lot of people blindly go through their financial life and they just say, you know, I'm not looking at this. Mm-hmm. And uh, before you know it, it's, you know, $380,000 in debt. We'll get into that. But but I want to ask you, what are you struggling with now as it relates to money? Because, you know, the end of your story is you were, you know, not the end, but the, the place where we're going to pick up on is you were able to get yourself out of a, a big pile of debt. What are you struggling with now in terms of old programming that you're trying to kind of hardwire new thoughts in? I think the biggest thing, Rob, is just the permission to spend we spent, you know, on, on this debt reduction process over 38 months, we really kind of lived in almost a scarcity mentality. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, now we kind of swung the pendulum again. And now we're saying that, you know, it, it's been so long where we allowed ourselves to shrink our budget and it really mm-hmm. just shrink our thinking. And now we're, we have to tell ourselves we're out of debt. We don't have a mortgage. We do have this extra money coming in and we can create it as well. We have that ability to do that. And now really it's just trying to swing the pendulum the other way and say, we, we can afford to do these things. Uh, and it's just that, again, that default response that we're working really hard to change. And it's not easy. It takes time. It's really interesting. I'll give you an extreme example. I was with a, a buddy in uh, in Italy, and he's got a uh, $100 million company. He's got just tens of million dollars, tens of millions in the bank. Mm-hmm. And he never, you know, he never had that before. And, you know, we've been friends for a long time. So, you know, 15 years ago, we'd take a trip and, you know, me and him would just be like, you know, buying up every, you know, Gucci and smoochy we can get our hands on, you know, because we, you know, we were convinced that we were going to look like, you know, models when we came back. Yep. Meanwhile, we look, we look like Oompa Loompas. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, but now he's got all this money and being in Italy, it was really, really hard for him to spend money. Yeah. And I was like, what's that about? He said, it's a weird thing. When you don't have money, you want to spend it. When you have money, you yeah. don't. And I was like, huh, that's really interesting. So that kind of like highlights what you were just talking about. Exactly. All right. So let's let's kind of dig into debt a little bit because there's a lot of people listening to the show that have debt, they're not facing, they're not dealing with it. And I want to give them some tools that they can use to help them get out of it. So um, as I've mentioned, you found yourself in $380,000 in debt. Can you first walk me through how that was accumulated, maybe just give me a high level breakdown. Did that include mortgage? Was that consumer debt? What was what kind of yeah. debt was that? So I, I can break it down. It was uh, about 15,000 was just left over in an auto loan. We had about 90,000 in a condo mortgage, which was my condo before we got married that we were renting at that time. And then the remainder, you know, just under 300, about 285-ish uh, was our primary mortgage. And so okay. that that was what basically uh, was the 380 in, in total. All right. So what was the straw that broke the camel's back that made you say, 
that's it. I'm not doing it. Because, you know, if you look at those numbers, a $15,000 loan is not a big deal, you know, in quotes. A $90,000 mortgage condo, somebody's going to look at and they're going to go, well, that's great. I mean, he's got an income producing property. That's awesome. And then the primary mortgage, like nobody thinks of, not nobody, but very few think of paying that mortgage off. So it wasn't like, you know, you know, you had $150,000 in debt from, you know, a a cocaine binge that you were on. I mean, like you, you really were arguably pretty responsible with those those three things. So what was the straw that broke Camel's back where you're like, even this I don't want? Yeah, such a good question because I think it's a human condition that we do not make a change unless we are forced to make a change. However, you can manufacture that emotion and here's how we did it. Most people don't know this, so I think this is a really cool tip or hack. You can go onto the social security website, which I think is just ssa.gov. And in doing that, you create a profile, you use your um, social security number, obviously. And most people go in there and they look at the projection for their social security, um, uh, the social security benefit checks. It will also show you your life to date earnings, which when I realize that, I'm like, huh, that's fascinating. I wonder how much money I've made through the course of my life. So I did that and you know that this was several years ago and I did that and I pulled back a little bit over a million dollars. I'm like, huh, that's that's funny. Where did it all go? And then I asked my wife, I said, Hey, can I ha- tell me your social security number? You know, because I'd like to look at hers too. Sure enough, she had made about the same. So we had made over two million dollars in our life and we had a large negative net worth number. And I looked at her. I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. I was angry. I was all the emotions and I was pissed. And I said, we're going to do something different. And in that moment is when we decided that the way that we were doing things was not working. So we had to do something different. And then in walked Dave Ramsey's plan. What was the first action that you took to get yourself out of debt? And can you describe how you set up systems Mm -hmm. in your life that you can attack it each week? So the first thing that we did is we cut up our credit cards. And I know some people might hear that and they might cringe. Um, But that's what we had to do. We were a little bit reckless with our credit cards. Sure, we were paying them off every month but it was a large amount that we were putting on that. And when you do that, mentally, it forces you to do things different. And when you put something on a credit card, you've got to be sure that you've got the money there. So if you get rid of a credit card, it goes on a debit card. And you have to make sure that you've got the money sitting there immediately. So that was our first step was cut up all of our credit cards. We lined up all of our debts. We got onto a budget that was probably a little bit tighter than it was before. And we just set goals. It's like anything else, Rob, if you're losing, if you want to lose weight or whatever it might be, you set a goal and you look at, okay, how much, how much calories do I have to consume? What is my goal weight? And then let's just celebrate some milestones along the way. It's it's basically the exact same process. And where I think people get really hung up is, yeah, there's Dave Ramsey's debt snowball. There's a debt avalanche. I'm sure there's three, four or five other things out there. The secret is it doesn't matter which one you do as long as you stay consistent and you continue to do it. We did Dave Ramsey's debt snowball and that's a pretty straightforward process. The information is out there. I can share it too, but 
the how doesn't really matter as long as your why is crystal clear. And if you're married, you and your spouse are on board together. Take me back to cutting up the credit cards because right <laughs> now there are people that are listening yeah. and they're going, okay, this sounds like a really, really good idea. <laughs> and uh, okay, I'll, I'll even do it. But they have to physically open their wallet, yeah. purse, pull the card out, walk to the kitchen, grab a pair of scissors and actually do it. Yep. So walk me through like how that happened for you. Well, Maybe a little bit easier for us. My wife was totally on board. Um, she knew that something had to change. And it was hard because we had both been using credit cards all of our adult life, you know, 20 some years. And so when you change a behavior like that, you're like, are you sure that we're supposed to do this? Do we really want to do this? Do, is this going to work? And it was nerve wracking. I mean, we we're again, we we're doing something we've never done before. Wasn't sure, you know, how this would work out, but we're going to take a leap of faith. And we believe that if we could cut up our credit cards, control that spending, we believe that that was one of the habits that we had to install in order to get to our goal. So it was, we were freaked out. And everyone thought we were strange as well, obviously. How much of a challenge was it for you to get your wife on board with it? The, the, I'd say the vision it wasn't that challenging. We, we painted a picture and it looked like this. It looked like, okay, if we didn't have any debt, if we didn't have a mortgage, what would our life look like? And we just opened up that space for us to talk about and paint the picture. And um, she was on board with that. She, she, was, she comes from a really fiscally responsive, responsible uh, family. And so she was totally on board. It wasn't challenging at all for her. I'd say what the challenge was, I'm a numbers guy. So I've, you know, Rob, I've got this spreadsheet and they all link to each other. And there, there's a V look up here, there's a graph here. And so I would show her that I was like, doesn't this excite you to have all these, these millions of dollars in retirement? And she'd like, no, not really. She doesn't speak numbers, but I was trying to talk to her in numbers so I had to talk to her in her language, which as soon as I found that out, she was on board, which was painting the picture for what that lifestyle looked like. All right. What was the hardest part of this whole process for you? And maybe a better, let me ask you that first and I'll ask you the second sure. question. Go ahead. The hardest part was, you know, we, we started this process with our income at a certain level and that income just about doubled in 38 months. So it, it, it was hard to see this money coming in. And the literally the day that we would get paid on that Friday, we would send the extra check into the mortgage or we would go online and jump in and, and pay it off. So we never really allowed our lifestyle to increase with our salary. Meanwhile, everyone else around us, right, is new cars, new boats, uh, vacations. And we didn't do that. Um, we said that for the short term, we're going to sacrifice so that in the long term, we're going to have something a little bit different. I think a good spot to go from here is maybe what do you wish you knew when you first started that could have made this easier on you? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I've never been asked that question. What I would probably say, I when we had sat down and we had planned this, I thought it would take us about five years. And 
I think there's something, Rob, that happens when you're so committed to something and you can't see the finish line. I mean, you can see parts of it, but as long as you continue to take steps forward, the fog lifts and you can keep seeing the next step and it gives you the, the motivation to keep going and keep going. So it's kind of like asking me, what would I tell myself when I started this? I would just say that it'll go faster than you think. Just stay committed to it. And while you were in momentum with it, how difficult was it week to week? In other words, having to write those checks or did it start to shift and it started to get fun? If there's a way to answer yes to both, that's what I would say. But as soon as you start to see the needle move, and we had visuals, right? I'm a visual guy. So we've got, you know, these thermometers that are printed off and we're coloring them as we go. It's addicting. Like I got addicted to Fridays going in and coloring these things. And so I say, once you get that, once you get the needle moving in the right way, it starts to be fun. And then you, it, it should be though. I mean, Rob, it should be, things should be fun. It's, it's almost like it's a game. How can we get this a little bit faster? What else could we be doing to get to this goal a little bit quicker? And we kind of just made it, I mean, we made it fun. We, we turned it into a game. After you got out of debt, what was your next step to say, I, I think it's to save a couple of months of cash and emergency funds. Is that yep. right? Okay, talk me through that step. Yeah, so once you kind of pay off your debt, and in the Dave Ramsey plan, he'd say once you pay off your consumer debt, save three to six months of living expenses. Um, so we did that. We did that relatively quick, and then we just said, okay, what would be our what's our next step? So we're fully funding, you know, retirements and investments and things like that, and we would like to stay committed to not having any debt. So now we're saving up money to move up in house. You know, we we celebrated by, so we actually went down to Nashville and we were on Dave Ramsey's show. So that was one of the things we did. We went to Florida, uh, Montana this summer. So we just kind of say, what would we like to do? What would we like our lifestyle to look like? And how do we start doing those things? All at the same time as crossing off some of the the, the boxes and saving for retirement, our, our emergency funds are, are saved up. But now, what do we start to want this life to look like? Why did we do this in the first place? And let's just start doing those things. Okay, so you actually went down to meet with Dave, yeah. Dave Ramsey to, to be on the show. Walk me through how that happens. Oh, so you sign up on his website. Uh, so he's got a three-hour show every single day. And he, on one of those, uh, each hour, he does one debt-free scream. So you, you go onto his website and you sign up and you fill out a form, which basically say, says, did you follow his plan, right? Uh, and we did. And it took us probably a good eight to 10 weeks to hear back. That's how, that's how busy they are. So you go in, you, you got the date scheduled. It was May 13th, which was my birthday. And so we went down to Nashville. You go to his studio. He's in his studio room. You're out in the lobby. Uh, and he just talks with you for 10 minutes about it and just asks you questions. And then at the very end, you get the chance to, um, you know, say, scream, we're debt free. So we got a chance to do that. My wife and I, our son was there too. And um, so he got to be, although he started crying, but whatever, that's a part of the process. So, but that was it. Dave, Ra Dave Ramsey or your, Dave, or your son? <laughs> we all cried. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, what's funny is actually my son. So he was, he just turned two. And um, 
I don't know if he was nervous or what, Rob, but he just, he blew out his diaper five minutes before we went on, on the air. And my wife, of course, and of course my wife and I did not bring uh, a second pair of, of clothes. So she is in Dave Ramsey's bat, the bathroom of the lobby, washing his pants five minutes before we were on the air. It was the most nerve wracking thing I've ever done. I was so nervous. Oh my God, that's so funny. It literally reminds me of a story. I was about to go on stage for uh, to do a, a, some speaking gig yeah. and we had uh, we had the baby with us <laughs> and she shit her pants like literally three minutes. She was about two or three right before we were supposed to go on stage. Kim looks at me, <laughs> freaks out, hands me the baby, goes, go to the bathroom. I go to the bathroom. I take the diaper off. She continues oh, no. to go, except now on my shoes uh. and I can hear them saying... <laughs> talking me and Kim to the stage and she's looking for me and I literally am wiping my uh, shoes as I'm going on stage. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I'm with you. One of, Same thing. Perks, perks you of got kids. It. Okay, so now after that was done, you, uh, you, you did the scream. You're like, I did this. It took me 38 months to do. Now are you taking about 15%, I think, of your household income and investing it in your 401k or IRA or what are you doing there? Yeah, that would be that that would be what he would recommend about 15%. And there's um you can go online. I think there's a book that wrote this, but if if you save about 15%, the average American saves 15% of their paycheck for what is it 30, 35 years or so, they'll have a, a good enough number for retirement. But we'd like to we like to have a little bit better than that, so we we're saving more um than the average person would. So we save more than 15%. But that's that would be the Dave Ramsey plan. You're correct. Okay, so how are your decisions made now? So, for example, how often do you guys go uh, out to eat? Um, not too often. My wife actually has quite a quite a bit of uh, food sensitivities uh-huh. and allergies, so we we do not go out that much. Um, but we do spend um, you know quite a bit going on different vacations, and we just booked. Uh, we're going to go out to Palm Springs yeah. in California. In uh, in January, our whole plan was because we live here in, Min- in the Minneapolis area. We want to be gone for a month in the winter somewhere warm. So that's what we're working up for. So you uh, okay? We're going to get into lifestyle here and well, actually, let's let's do it right now. Let's get into that. So you guys, sure. you have a little bit of a background, if I understand correctly. You walk me through making the decision to be a stay at home dad after being in the corporate world and. And how did a high school teacher get baked into that whole thing? <laughs> That's a good question. So yeah, 13 years in corporate America, uh, in spanning different industries and, and jobs. And I got to a point, Rob, that I was so burned out of corporate America that it affected all different areas of my life. Uh, my health, I was in probably the worst spot ever. Uh, I was not showing up as as the dad that, or sorry, as the husband that I was committed to being. We didn't have our son at that time. And I knew that something had to change because sure, I had success at work, but everything else in life, uh, it was just empty and it was there was no fulfillment there. And so my wife and I had gone through quite a process to kind of redesign, okay, well, what would I really like to do? And I always have gravitated towards facilitating in all my roles. I love to teach. I love to train the uncovering the process of learning. 
So I left corporate America and became a high school business teacher uh, in the summer, or sorry, the fall of 2015. And I loved it. I loved teaching. And our son, Cal, Callahan, was born in March of 2017. And my wife took her 12-week maternity leave, which brought us right to the end of that school year. And in our, we, we just had the priority of we wanted someone to stay home with our son. And so my wife has a great job. It's flexible. She loves it. And I was driving 65 miles one way to teach. So we looked at each other and we said, well, if one person staying home, it's going to be me. And so in that season, I became a stay-at-home dad. And very challenging, very rewarding. And um, yeah, that's kind of how we came to that came to that process. So I actually paused my career in order to allow my wife to continue in hers and be really successful. And, and she crushes it. She does a great job. She's such a hard worker. But yeah, I, I paused my career for about that two-year time frame. Okay, it seems to me like this is you know, sort of a trajectory that you were on that has led you to your latest project, which is called Reaching uh, Beyond. What is the Reaching Beyond experience? Yeah, so great. I, thank you for asking. And it's the Reaching Beyond experience is something that I just created. It's to all things that we had just talked about. It's for individuals who are successful at work, but that success has come at the cost of something else, whether it's dad life, their health, their spouse. And so what I've created is a six-month experiential mastermind for men that are successful at work but want that same success outside of work. And I call it experiential mastermind because I bookend it with two weekend experiences here on the North Shore of Minnesota where we step into similar to what, you know, your, your, your message is, Rob, too many people are working too much and experiencing less. So I step them into experience and fun and adventure and some outdoor um, activities out on the North Shore of Minnesota. So who is right for that kind of experience? Like, give me, give me the guy that is, you know, the perfect avatar for this kind of thing. Yeah. It's a guy who has had some success at work. Maybe it's corporate America. And they're probably a good 15 years into that career. They've kind of cut their teeth on some job promotions. And they've come to this point where they've realized that, gosh, really successful at work. However, I also want to show up as, as the father that I'm committed to being, as the, as the husband that I'm committed to being. And I want to keep my health on point too. And they've realized that there's been a cost to some of that success at work. And now they want to have some fulfillment in some of the other categories in life as well. They love to be outside. Uh, they're a generous person. They love to go to these things and they love to lift up other people and help other people, mastermind other people in their life as well. And they're, they've got a sense of adventure and probably a good outdoor sense of adventure as well, given the locations that I've chosen. Do you think that you'll go beyond the area that you're in now and do it somewhere, you know, maybe internationally, or do you want to keep it local? You just kind of like that local feel. I will eventually expand beyond the North Shore of Minnesota. That's correct. I'm a huge golfer. I love to golf. So I, I do foresee an element of um, golf within these experiences. Uh, but for right now, I'm focusing in on the, the North Shore of, of Minnesota. But yeah, I do see it expanding. 
All right, cool. I want to move into um, some things that you do for fulfillment. A lot of people who are listening to this show, they're super type A achievers. They love to get mm-hmm. out and work, but you know, when it comes to fulfillment, not so good looking, right? They need a little bit of help. So what is a new behavior or a belief that has significantly improved the quality of your life? I have got to start my day... In, in two zones, number one, I've got to start it outside and it's got to be filled with gratitude. So I, uh, we have a dog. He's about six years old. He's a, he's a pit bull rescue. And so in the mornings, probably in the last, I don't know, this has been a while now, but I, I love to take him and I take him about 30 minutes before sunrise and we get out to this field that I can get to in about five minutes, five to seven minute walk. And it's just my dog and I, and we're out there and we just sit and we watch the sunrise. And it's such a beautiful, free gift that people just, when you start your morning that way, it sets the table for the entire rest of your day. That That's, that's my new action, my new um, pattern, my new way of doing things in the morning. Well, you know, it's cold where you live, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is a period of time when it's below zero that we don't do that. Can I tell you, but, I'll tell you something funny. So I'm, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a new Californian, right? And so I get up in the morning and I have my, my morning routine and my office is, uh, is overlooking the, uh, the backyard. And, uh, I got up this morning and I, I like, I, I slid the sliding French door to walk out onto <laughs> my deck and I was like, fuck that. And I walked inside <laughs> And like the thought of you in Nova Scotia doing that, I'm like, how the hell does he do it? Okay. Yeah. What is the one goal that you thought when I achieve this, if I could just get this goal, everything is going to be better. And then you got it and you were like, eh, didn't really do much. That's a great question. Last September, I I did my first Ironman and... I completed the Ironman and I finished it. I thought, okay, well, this is cool, but but now what? Mm. What do I do now? And what I think I've learned through that, Rob, is that I don't want to have achievement for the sake of achievement. And what I mean by that is that's just trying to accomplish a goal for your ego because your ego will never be satisfied. So after I finished that Ironman, I'm like, okay, what, what, you know, what else could I do now? Because I just did an Ironman, so that's my new benchmark. And now I got to do something that is above and beyond an Ironman in order for my ego to be satisfied. And so I've learned that I, I, I don't want to achieve just for the sake of achieving things. That's great. With every new level comes a new devil. What, yeah, are, you, what are you currently struggling with? Yeah, I the the next thing as I launch this business is just the the fear of failure, the, mm. the fear of what if I, I've created this, I've done it, I know what it brings, I know the impact it has, but what if I fail? Mm-hmm. And that's probably the biggest thing that I'm struggling with right now. What if you failed? What would that mean? I would have to learn uh, learn something from it. Yeah. And and continue to move forward. I think I think it's John Maxwell who says, you know, when you fall off the horse, don't get up immediately. He says, figure out why you fell down, sit on the ground for a while, and evaluate, and then get back on the horse. And for for me, that's what I would have to do: is really sit down and say, why didn't this work, and what changes do I need to make? 
Yeah, I mean, if you if you keep asking yourself that same question over and over again, which is, you know, what if that happened? What if that happened? What if that happens? You'll get to the end of it, and, and you'll realize nothing happens. <laughs> you just yeah. failed. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> nothing happens, and so you just learn and you just do something else. So, you know, that is definitely the uh, the devil that we all have to overcome. But I love yep. I love your honesty there. Thanks. Um, you're welcome. When you when you, when people, you know see you, they're seeing a rocket ship, right? He's got $380,000 in debt. He's out of debt. He's starting a mastermind. He's, you know, figured out how to be home with his kid. Like you've made some really smart, significant, life-changing decisions that a lot of people are probably envious of. But it's important to know that you've had your share of starts and stops. Mm-hmm. What are one or two major challenges that you've faced in, in business or personal life or whatever you feel like sharing? Um, and how'd you turn it around? Uh, so the first thing that I would say is when I, when I stayed home, uh, took the mini retirement, the season to be with my son, call whatever we want to call it, was I had, I had some real ego issues with that because you know, when, so picture yourself in a social setting, right? And there's a, there's a bunch of guys in a circle and, and you're, you're just meeting each other for the first time. And you go around the circle and what's the first question everyone asks you? Only in America, but what do you what do? do? You, <laughs> what do you do? And so, I, you know, I sit in a circle and I'm like, oh gosh, I know this question's coming. They're going to ask me. They're going to ask me. All of a sudden they ask me, I'm like, yeah, I, I stay at home with my son. And everyone looks at me and I'm like, they kind of move on and go to the next person. And so I had to deal with this, this awkwardness and this weirdness. And, and a lot of, to be honest with you, Rob, a lot of that I made up in my head because people hear that and like, oh, that's, that's actually pretty cool. I'd love to have that kind of a relationship with my kid. So a lot of that was made up. Sure, some people probably had a perception, but I had to completely let go of that and just not care what people thought about that. That was probably the biggest struggle that I've gone through recently, that internal battle. And how do you how do you deal with it now? Is it still is is that button still uh, there, or is it starting to get dulled when it's pushed? No, I'd say it's dulled because it's been you know I've worked through that now for a good two years, and I'm to be quite honest, I'm proud that I've had this opportunity to be home with my son. We have such a fun, unique um, relationship with each other. If you ever watch us on IGTV, him and I are just, we air guitar all the time, man, to music and rock out. And we just have such a fun relationship together that I'm pretty proud of, of this time that I get to spend with him. You are certainly not going to come to the end of your life and regret that decision. So no. that was, uh, that was uh, beautiful. Uh, and yeah. it's funny how most of the shit just lives in our head, right? That's right. Okay. I want to move into the uh, the last part of the show, which is the rapid fire round. Um, answer as quickly or slowly as you like. It's basically a first thing that comes to mind rounds. What would your friends say is one of your superpowers? The ability to build and develop relationships. What's one of the things you're afraid of right now? Failing. What keeps you up at night? I think what I would say is not utilizing the gifts, talents, and my story to the fullest potential. Hmm. What's the one thing you want to get better at? I would say I like to get a little bit better at having really clear boundaries with 
social media and my phone, especially around my son. Hmm. It's interesting. That's a whole wormhole, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole wormhole. I like yep. that. Okay. Um, what book have you reread the most or re-listened to, however you want to call it? Hmm. Boy, I don't, uh, to be honest with you, usually when I read a book, I move on to another one. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just, actually, you know what I would say is uh, The Big Leap. Hmm. You know, I did an exercise this weekend at uh, Chris Harder's Masterminds mm-hmm. on money mantras, yeah. uh, money mindset Yep. Um, that was based around The Big Leap. And there's a couple of things that you said in this interview that made me think that I want to go through this with you. Mm. So I'm going to, I'm going to do that with you. Yeah. I'm going to do that with you. I think this would be really good. I love it. Um, what is your guilty pleasure? Oh, oh boy. If, uh, full transparency, Rob. I'm, no, I don't know if I want to go there with this. Yeah, whatever. I love to take bath, dude. I'm just going to rock it. I love to take a good bath. Oh, everybody's listening right now. And they're saying, <laughs> oh, I love this guy. He was so honest. And then he just phoned that uh, last one in. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you have to stir in your own juices there. What's the one thing that you own and probably should throw out, but you never will? Snowboard. I just can't seem to part with it, although I've moved on to skiing. Love it. Last question. This is a ask me anything round you want. Let's change it up a bit. What one question would you like to ask me? I would love to know where fear is popping up in your life right now. Oh my God. Like in the last hour? (laughs) (laughs) The biggest thing, the biggest thing where fear would be stopping you right now. Fear never stops me. Fear pops up. What I've trained myself to do is to not be, not get stopped by the fear because I have something that, uh, a mantra that I say to myself all the time and the, for whatever the reason it helps me. And here's, here's the mantra. Your ability to believe in the future is everything. I just get into the vibration that everything I'm working on is working. So every time I'm like, okay, I got this project that I'm working on, you know, I want to fill a mastermind or I want to fill a virtual mastermind or I want to fill a coaching practice or what any of those things. I just say, I believe in the future and because I know that everything in my life is around my ability to believe in that future. So first mm. is I, first I've got to get real clear on that. And then second is I just get into the vibration or the feeling that everything I'm working on is working out. So I just visualize it working out. And so I've got a practice where I do um, some Joe Dispenza work where he, he's got a great morning and evening meditation where he walks you through for 20 minutes visualizing your future self and seeing all of the details of it in a way to train your brain. So what I do is when I know that there are things that I'm afraid of or things that I'm fearful of not happening, I I create the story in that Joe Dispenza meditation of it happening. And in the beginning, my brain says bullshit that that'll never happen. That's way too big. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after a while, the way that he kind of walks you through it 
He asks you many, many prompts about imagining what it's like as being done and seeing yourself, you know, like for, I'll use a simple example, um, surfing here in uh, California. So I want to surf. So, you know, I literally see myself waking up in the morning, grabbing the surfboard. I can feel the, the grains of sand that's on the surfboard and I put it on my bicycle. I got a little surf rack that goes on the bicycle and I go down to the beach and I can see myself talking to other surfers on the beach and, you know, being honest with them. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing and, you know, to give me some pointers and don't, you know, don't judge me and feel the surf, you know, in my face. And then, then like, you know, on the way home, I pass some surf shops, um, on the way home, I stop and I go into the surf store. And in the beginning, like when I started doing this in Atlanta, it was really weird because there's no ocean. But by the time I got here, like I was not even here a day before I was, you know, with Kim in the surf shops, going down to the beach, connecting with other surf. So I guess what I'm saying is that you're going to be afraid. And if you take the time to visualize exactly how you want it to look and are committed to doing it every morning and every evening and step into it, it gets less fearful and it gets more exciting because you're working towards it. It's kind of like when you, you know, you were so clear that you were going to tackle this debt. You were going to have zero debt. You're going to be on Dave Ramsey's show. And you, that was your, like, you knew it. And Mm -hmm. even though it was scary, even though it was afraid, you knew it and you stepped into it. So I don't know if that helps, but that's how I do it. I love it. That was a tremendous value. Even I was even writing notes. Good. We got it. Well, listen, this is um, super exciting. I am uh, really excited to uh, to welcome you to our first virtual mastermind tomorrow and to learn more about what you're doing next. Um, do you have any final words, suggestions, or an ask for the people that are listening? No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, it's um, I've been I've been watching uh, your your guys' story, you and Kim and and Sophia. Uh, in, in Europe and it's been awesome so I've, I've just appreciated watching you on your journey it's been fun to watch and thanks for the opportunity to jump on and, and share my story and hopefully provide some some value to to everyone listening as well so thank you you got it brother thank you all right thanks for listening if you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live. 